We all have questions about the Bible. At Milwaukee Chi Alpha, we want to take the questions we have about the Old Testament and use them to get us closer to Jesus and what we're calling the XA Learning Hour. And we strongly believe that if God is real, if what we believe is true, our questions will lead us back to Him. So let's start this journey in the XA Learning Hour, questioning the Old Testament. why we are here we want to understand your word we don't want to question you as far as we understand better than you but we want to question so that we can understand you and your word for us so help us today as we unpack your uh, your old testament the torah that we would know better your heart and how we should read it today in your name we pray amen amen, amen. Okay, so uh, hopefully today, as we unpack the, uh, the Torah and the Old Testament law, um, hopefully the goal is to give us maybe a better perspective, a truer perspective of how we should read it, how we should understand it. Um, and my, my goal is that we would be inspired to read it more for ourselves, that we would hunger for grasping these books in our Old Testament, to see them not just as information, but to truly see them as God's word for us today too. They do matter, and hopefully today as we unpack this, we'll begin to see a little bit more on how to understand the law. Um, now to kind of put some like uh, parameters of where we're at in our flow here, um, last week Catherine talked about covenant, um, and that this is a really big theme throughout the entire Bible. Um, that Old Testament and New Testament is, are also understood as Old Covenant and New Covenant. Right? That's is a really big piece of understanding the narrative of our Bible. And so the law kind of is flowing out of that understanding, that the law is the terms of the covenant, that God has established his covenant relationship with us, his partnership of what he wants to do in the world. And the, the law, his commands, are the terms of that agreement, that partnership. Um, and we're going to understand, and we're going to try to uh, grasp a little bit more of what that means, um, not only for them, but for us. Um, but also, in the coming, the next two weeks, Caitlin's going to be talking about uh, the distinction between Jewish and Christian understanding of the Torah. So there may be a bit of overlap here as I begin to unpack some things. Caitlin will bring some more distinctions of what specifically a, a modern Jewish and ancient Jewish understanding would be, um, as well as how, and how they're distinct from a Christian interpretation of our Old Testament, since we share the same book, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then after that, Daniel will be uh, talking more about the implications of living the law. Does living out the law and following God equal a blessed life? Um, and there's some great passages of scripture that say that, and so Daniel's going to be unpacking that a little bit. So I, I might not get to that really, I'm going to mention it, but Daniel will be able to unpack that in the coming weeks as well. So. Our, again, my goal here is to just help us understand what is the law, how do we understand it for ourselves, what law is for us, um, and why is it in our Bible? Cool? Cool. Yeet. Yeet. That is the colloquial term around here for proceed. Yeah. <laughs> English can't really translate it. <laughs> yeah, it can't translate it very well. Okay, so like I said, the, the, this, uh, the law is 
essentially the terms of the covenant that God has established with his people. Um, and so uh, these are the things that these, these people, the Israelites, um, and even before that, you know, God made a covenant with, with Noah and then with Abraham. There's this covenant that's developing and growing as God wants to be in a relationship with creation and with his people. Um, he said these are the terms. These are the things we must do to stay in right standing with God within this covenant. Even though he, as Captain pointed out last week, that God will be the one who is torn in two. Go listen to that. It's a really powerful picture of not only Old Testament covenant, but of the gospel itself. Um, God is willing to bear the, the penalty of this. And yet he's still giving us the terms. Here's what he wants us to live by. Um, but even as we understand, we step back a, a, a step further in understanding this word law, um, we look at the Old Testament and we and say that's the, the law, right? And we're using that to translate the, the Hebrew word there's Torah. Torah is the word that's used not only to describe the first five books, but to describe um, the law within them, the commandments. Um, but that word um, sometimes gets a little confusing because the translation is more literally teaching and instruction. Um, it does include command, the law, right? But it does also in, include that. But sometimes I think we, we hear law and we think legal. We think binding, contract, that kind of stuff, which is, well, like we just said, it's the terms of the agreement. But the way we understand this word Torah is important for us to see the broader understanding here, that it means teaching, instruction, guidance. That as Hebrews would, would read the first five books and they'd call it the Torah, they called it the teaching and instruction, the guidelines, the, um, the guidance of life. And to be in relationship with God, to follow in his covenant, to be his people. Um, and as you'll see, uh, <coughs> if you've ever read it, if you've read starting in Genesis 1, which is the Torah, like Torah starts with Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is not a legal uh, section of scripture. It is narrative, right? In fact, all of Genesis is narrative. And half of Exodus is narrative. We don't get to any commandments, and as far as we understand, like law, until 69 chapters into the Bible. So just viewing the Old Testament in the first five books and calling it the law, we need to remember what we're describing. We're not just describing a constitution. Um, we're describing essentially a sermon about the law of, of the covenant of God, the, the terms of the covenant of God. Um, and that's really important. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, uh, and even in that, like I, I experience this often um, as we, as Christians, are trying to unpack what is the, what do we do with this? We can often, like, we're describing the laws. Well, it's teaching, it's instruction, and it can sound like we're just watering it down a little bit and saying, "Oh, we don't have to follow that." Um, and that's not here in my heart. Um, I just want to provide some context for us to understand it. But what I want to, I want to put a, a hard barrier of what we don't do as Christians, as believers, as followers of God. We don't look at this Old Testament law and say, oh, well, that's not for me. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. I don't need to read this. It's not important for me. Um, and there's a couple problems with it, but I hope you can see the one obvious one. If we start looking at our Bible and saying, well, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. Like, you can imagine what that does to your own heart, right? Like, if you start reading God's Word, and you start saying, well, I don't have to follow that you essentially start living this 
me, don't have to do that, you know, it's me-centric, and it's, you're, you're pushing off a responsibility to obey God. Now, there's, there's legitimacy into unpacking what laws are for us today, and how do we do that, but I want to caution us, whenever we read the Old Testament, and we start saying, I don't have to do that, I don't have to do that, to caution and guard your heart a little bit, because if we just only live that way, eventually we push away God's word as instructional for us um, and command and have a command over our lives because his word is instruction to us as well, even as Christians, even the Old Testament, even the law. Um, we have to see it rightly and we have to acknowledge the dangers of just saying, well, it's not for me, it's not for me, it's not for me. Does that make sense? Has anyone, have you, have you done that in the past? Have you been like, yeah, I don't have to do that, so I'm not going to read it? Anyone? Familiar? Yeah. I did that. I mean, well, just certain parts, like the parts I, I skimmed over, skipped, uh, would be the, like the specifications for the, all the different, like the labor and the, the parts of the, the tabernacle. I just was like, oh, no, I can't do it. I... I just, it was so much specification. Yeah, totally. I don't need to, I don't need to read this. It's just a picture of the tabernacle and all the things you got to do. (laughs) We don't have a tabernacle. So it's easy to just kind of like go past it. And there's reason to do that. And there's time and a place for like, okay, I don't need to to just understand all this right now. Um, But I, I also think, and I hope you'll see this as we go through this and maybe you already understand it now. Like taking the time to get at what's going on there is really important for all of it, even Leviticus and Numbers and these books that are, um, have been notoriously difficult for us to not only understand, but to glean yeah. from. Gleaning God's heart and gleaning why this is important for us. It's, it's work. Um, but this, this requires us to take a step back then and ask that question. Like, why? Why? What, was these, what were these laws intended to do? And if you remember over the past few weeks as we've been kind of trying to un, uh, un, understand the narrative here, we have a group of 600,000 men and their families have just been uh, liberated from Egypt, and now they're given this law from God on Mount Sinai. Moses is there, and, and I'll t- there's actually some nuances there. I'll, I'll unpack in a second. But God is giving them this law, and in helping them not only like know how to be a people, right? They, they've never been a nation. They've never been uh, in power. <laughs> These are a bunch of slaves who've only known slavery. And so God is giving them a teaching, a commandment, a way of life that doesn't start with do, 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 right? We talked about that in the creation. Go listen to that in um, episode two or three about that creation and uh, uh, story. Um, God has a different message and a different teaching for them. And he wants them to know how to live as his people, as his image bearers in the world. This is a very important thing, right? And so as he, um, uh, as God is giving them instruction, giving them commands, his heart is that they, as his chosen people, wouldn't just be we're the holy ones, they're the unholy ones, we're going to live separate, and they're not going to ever, like, they're bad, so we got to be away from all the evil. God's heart was to that they would live by his ways to bear witness of who God is to the world. That as these laws were meant to, 
to kind of protect them, that they would be set apart from other cultures. That in that, God's heart was to display his good wisdom and his, his goodness to the nations. And that's where we see some of these odd laws, like boiling, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk, is this odd law. And on top of that, I was listening to the Bible Project guys, because they're awesome, and they have so much content. You can go listen to their podcast, and you'll get a whole lot more and better teaching. Um, however, they say, of all of the laws, that one, that odd one, is repeated three times. And they say, like, there's 613 different commands, or at least that's how it's understood. Um, and it's kind of confusing because some of the commands are repeated. Uh, many of them are repeated, which is interesting. So one of the reasons we know it's not a constitution, it's, it's, it's more like a sermon than it is a constitution. Um, but one of the laws is don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. And that's repeated three times. And it's led to a lot of people like, what is the, what's, what's the deal with that law? Why? And then why is it repeated? Um, and there's, there's a couple different like interpretations of that. And one of the rabbinic te uh, teachings about it was like, um, hold on, let me find it. I got to make sure I get it right. <laughs> it's so obvious. It's, it's right. so obvious, right? Uh, was that God doesn't want his people mixing a source of life with something that is dead of the same kind. And that was how they understood it, which makes sense. There's some like, okay, that's, that's valuable. I can see that as like, that's good. However, as we have continued to uh, dig up more, like uh, we found library, archaeologists have find, found uh, libraries of ancient nations. They, they, want, they think it's uh, of the time period of Joshua, so when they're conquering the land. So one of the other nations had a library, and in that library described their temple worship of this other nation, not, not Jews, not of God of the Bible, their temple worship was about boiling goats in their mother's milk. It was a practice within that temple to worship this idol. And so when God gives them this law, they knew, oh, my, our neighbors who worship these other gods are doing that, and God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to distinctly be set apart from that kind of worship. Because that's the other thing here, is that God's laws here, his commandments, are to trust and listen to his voice. We see that um, in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, um, about God speaking to Adam and Eve and telling them to do, listen to my voice, trust my voice. Um, and we see that in other places. Um, in Exodus 19 is another reminder of like, listen to God's voice. Don't listen to that voice. Listen to my voice, he's saying. Um, we also see it in, in Deuteronomy 30, and it keeps getting repeated over and over again. This idea of listening to the voice of God. That's what the people of God are meant to do. That's, that's the command. That's the heartbeat here of, of God. And uh, it's interesting as we're trying to like unpack how do we understand this law? Why did, why did God do it this way? Because so many of these laws are so tied to the cultural context, right? And we can kind of think, and this the Bible Project guys did this. I, I thought it was a, a good example. Um, why didn't God come down in such a way as to like all people at all times in their own language would be able to hear his laws of how to live rightly. Like um, if you know anything about the UN and their gatherings, they have headphones on that's immediately translated to each other whenever someone's speaking because they don't, not everyone speaks the same language. And so 
Like if the headphones on and someone's translating whatever the person is speaking, it's immediate, it's instantaneous, and it's directed for them. And like they, they talk about like, why, why didn't God just like give us the UN headphones and we could just like understand it and know it, you know, he just speak to us in our culture. Why do we have this, this archaic, out of con- our context book? Um, and, and one of the things they say, I love this, this point. For some reason, God in his infinite wisdom, his incarnate love, he chooses to step into human history. He steps into culture and he displays who he is within their setting, helping them know God through their very real world that they are living in, which he created, but they're living in a finite expression with culture and neighbors and uh, like the world around them is just, it's, it's finite in the moment, right? And God steps into that history and he wants to teach them about who he is within their world. And he chose to do this. He gave this law to these specific people in this specific context, stepping into the world and helping them live out what it means to be the people of God distinctly from the world around them. That they would be more like salt, being a preservation of the world that is being corrupted by sin and self-centeredness. Like this is God in his infinite wisdom and understanding that we don't always get. He chose to do it this way, to reveal himself within history, which means there's culture that's now involved. And now we have this book that's really confusing for us, 21st century Americans, who don't always understand what it's like to live in ancient Israel or ancient Canaan or ancient Egypt. And then we're like, have to do a lot of work to get it and to get why he's saying all this. But I think because God chose to do that, we can see so much of who he is. And that, that's ultimately displayed to Jesus on the cross, that he kept stepped into history to reveal himself within humanity, within culture, to show us his heart, that he wants to be relational, and that our world, though it has all sorts of layers and there's corruption, he wants to redeem it and redeem our reality, which is really cool. And so as we are reading uh, the, the law, um, we're reading about this, a specific time and culture and people in their setting. And God's saying, here's, here's how I want you to live. Very real, very practical in light of the things around them and experience they've had in the past. And, and with all that, we have to make the, the acknowledgement. This was for them. This law was not written to us. This is not our covenant. These are not our laws for us that are binding on us. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but we have to like let that be, right? This is not our laws. See, we don't have to follow those 613 laws in the Old Testament. Um, but <clears throat> um, it's because, though, it's not because it's just laws. from. These are, this is a story. This whole Old Testament is not just a constitution. Um, it is a story. It's a message that God is taking us, taking humanity through this story. He's helping them see something. And if you know the flow of the Torah, what happens is God creates these people and, and we see this first cycle, right? This first kind of narrative happens with Adam and Eve. They're with God and this fall, they, 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 they fail to follow God's voice and then they're exiled because of it, right? 
But that, that, that cycle happens over and over and over again. And what you'll see as you read it, especially when you get to like Exodus, and you're reading this, the narrative about the people of God, and you go into Leviticus, and then you go into Numbers and Deuteronomy, you'll see the cycle. The people of God are given uh, uh, the law from, from God, and then they, then they fail, and then a new, and more laws are added, and then they fail, and more laws are added. It's kind of this cycle of like, because they can't uphold the law, more laws are given. Now they do kind of, uh, uh, there is question as to whether they already had that law and they just failed and so it's a reminder, or it could be that they didn't have that law and they failed at something so more all laws were added to help them live out. I don't know which one that is, but what we, that's what the, the, um, the style of literature in our Old Testament shows this flow. As Israel fails and sins, God brings more instruction, more teaching, more law, more commandments to help them walk in obedience and walk in life with Him. But as you go through that whole thing, it just keeps building. It just keeps more things get added, you know. Um, and hopefully, we all we can see this, this. The point is not just here's all the rules, do them. But the point is, as we walk through the narrative and then to see the laws being introduced and and developed and and then they fail over and over and over again. It's not just that we see these are laws to follow, but this is a story about a people that cannot. They cannot obey. They struggle to obey. They need to obey. They're meant to be. They're called by God to be the people of God, to bear His witness to the world. But they fail over and over and over again. And we're left with the tension throughout the Bible of, is, is anyone able? Can anyone do it? Right? Now, for us, we can look back and see that. For Israel, this was also their culture. These were also binding laws for them in that time and place because they did have sacrificial systems and they did have purity and ritual laws that were meant to be uh, outside, in which we don't have all those the same context. But the point for both us and them was, will, will you trust and obey the voice of God? And that is what we do, too, as we read this. That is the bottom line. Will we trust and obey God? Know His voice and listen to His voice. And one of the points that we should now see as we read uh, our Old Testament um, is to see that this book was meant to display the wisdom and glory and the goodness of God. Right? I made that point a moment ago. Uh, that this God of the Bible is different than every other God in the culture. But as Westerners, as modern Westerners, this is difficult for us because we are not one, we don't live in those nations. We don't know those laws. We don't have those temples about goats being sacrificed. In those, we just don't have that. And so sometimes it's hard for us to see the goodness of these laws. And moreover, uh, we have so much in our own world, in our own culture, is built off of the Old Testament law. Many of our, our current laws are out of a Judeo-Christian perspective, out of a biblical teaching, Torah. And so a lot of these things are really familiar, only they're developed. And so you look back at this archaic book and like, I, I see that that's kind of good, but it's also really ugly. Like our world, we don't do that. Well, it's because we've like pulled this out and developed and like learned from this. But at the time, 
if you are a neighboring country, neighboring nation of Israel, you might have seen the sweetness, the goodness, the protectiveness of these laws, and how they honored not only uh, enemies, right? They they honor enemies, and you can go go read it again, and I can we can point out some passages of how they honored enemies and they loved enemies, like. When Jesus talks about loving your enemies, that is not a completely foreign teaching. Um, uh, we recently read a book, and I, I don't have the references in front of me. Um, I'm trying to remember a couple of them. One of them was Proverbs 25, I think verse 12. Um, but there's a bunch of them where like, it is very clearly, in the Old Testament, God wants them to love even their enemies. That's not just a New Testament teaching when Jesus brings that up. Um, so like, all of these, these laws that we have, it is harder for us as Westerners to see how distinctly good the, this law is. But when the psalmist, like David, he is kind of, he like Psalm 19, Psalm 119, are these really glorious uh, uh, words about this law. It is so good. It's so sweet. Because in comparison to everything around him, it was, it was revolutionary. It was honoring. It was redemptive. It was restoring. And it was loving. God's law was loving and gracious toward people. Um, and we, uh, we have to see that, and then we have to see how constantly, regularly, these people kept failing to live and abide in this law. Okay, so that's, that's kind of a, a big overview here of, of what I wanted to say. That we, we, let's, let's talk a little bit about what different kinds of laws that were in there. Um, uh, some of them... We, uh, this isn't a c comprehensive list, but we have a lot of laws that are like uh, the sacrificial laws. Leviticus, a lot of them are, are about how to do sacrifices. Many of them are though also about purity laws and ritual laws. Um, and then many of them are moral laws. Um, and there's some as well, just cultural um, practices. Okay, so there's a lot of different like categories of laws. Um, and we have to like understand the certain kinds and why they existed. Um, they're for different purposes. Um, <clears throat> but the heart here behind all of it was these are God's chosen people to covenant with him, to partner with him, to bring about his redemptive work within the world, the terms of the covenant, right? So we were to look like him to the world. And as we read this law, hopefully we get a picture of what it was like to live into that uh, uh, culture, a sample of their, what living was like as they tried to follow him. Um, we see God is gloriously and good. Um, but uh, we see them struggle to obey this really, really good law. Um, before I kind of, I, before I want to actually step back a second and we'll kind of unpack some of the different kinds of laws and how we together um, can read them. But I want to actually go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. <clears throat> so, uh, we've been talking about the Torah. Um, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Um, and Deuteronomy is that fifth book. And right at the end of Deuteronomy, um, the whole story, basically Deuteronomy is a sermon that Moses gives to the people right before they go to the Promised Land. And it's essentially a reminder, a reestablishment of all of the teachings that have already been established, although there are some, some new. So this is why we get some repetition of loss. Um, we get books like Deuteronomy. Um, but at the end of the book, this is right before, he, they're going to go into the promised land. Um, 
Moses is now saying, like, today you have a choice. You have an opportunity here to either trust and obey and walk into life or disobey, reject, and walk into death. And I want to read a couple verses um, because I, I think it'll help us get a taste of what the Torah is like landing on as a story, not just as law. Okay, so now, this is verse 11 of chapter 30. It says, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you have, that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And then it goes into uh, kind of like the passing off of the reins. Um, but but it, these words are really powerful, right? They're very black and white, aren't they? And, and Daniel, again, in a couple weeks, Daniel kind of unpack like, how, how literally do we take like this blessing and curse? If I do good, then I'll be blessed. You know, like there's, there's some principles here to live by, but is that reality? Okay. Um, but at the end of the Torah, at the end of the teaching, we're given this, this reminder from Moses that this is not too difficult. Right? You don't have to go ascend into heaven to get it. It's already been brought to you. God has brought his word, his teaching, his message to you. And you have the choice to obey it. You can do this, he says. But interestingly, in the next chapter, near the end, Moses goes on to say this. Chapter 31, verse 24. After Moses finished writing in a book the words of this law from beginning to end, he gave this command to the Levites who carried the Ark of the Command of the Lord. Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. There it will remain as a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stiff-necked you are. If you had been rebellious against the Lord while I am still alive with you, how much more will you rebel after I die? Assemble before me all the elders of the tribes and all your officials so that I can speak these words in their hearing and call the heavens and the earth to testify against them. For I know that after my death you are sure to become utterly corrupt and to turn from the way I have commanded you. In the days to come, to come, disaster will fall on you, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord, and arouse his anger, but you what your hands have made. Okay, so Moses, just moments before, says, you can do this. And then says, but I know you won't. And I know you're going to go make idols. I know you're going to go rebel against this teaching. I know you're, I know you're like, I've been with you for 40 plus years. I know what you've done, right? And it's like this, what the world is Moses doing here? 
And it provides this tension of recognition. Like we've just read through the five books of the Torah and we've seen this cycle, right, over and over again. Will you listen? They don't. Will you listen? Here's more. Yeah, let me show you how to live. And they don't over and over and over again. We have the reminder, you can do this. But we know this is not going to happen, is what Moses says. And Moses is dead on. That's exactly what happens. And they, there's uh, a cycle after cycle after cycle of disobedience, in, unable and Moses says this, he says, they have hard hearts. And then prophets later, as they're calling people to follow the Torah, they describe them. They, don't, they have hard hearts. They have hearts of stone. They need a new heart. And it's, this is like the tension that the Old Testament leads us to, that we are not able to follow the teaching, the Torah. None of us have been. That's the point. This story, this sermon, this command is to help us see we can't do it. Will anyone? Can anyone? Someone needs to. And we get these moments, especially in the prophets, of like, someone will. And we get this messianic figure is developed and prophesied and promised. Um, that we hope in someone who can, who can actually live up to this law and do it. And that's where Jesus comes into it here. Um, but before we get to Jesus, I want us to, before we like, there's a nice simple Sunday school answer we might be developing here, like, oh, the Old Testament is about just listen to God and do it, right? That's, it's far more nuanced than that. I hope you can see that there's a lot more here to dig at. Um, and my hope is, not, I, I can't describe to you all the laws and specifically walk us through each one that you should and shouldn't do, hmm. right? <laughs> However, like, we, we have to dig this. Today is the opportunity for us. Will we go into this word and... and Dig it. What is God speaking to me here? Will I take the time to understand, to watch, not just to see what laws are like, oh, that's good, I should do that. Oh, that's not, I don't need to do that. But like, God, where is your heart? You wanted these people to stand distinct in their culture. In what ways would that look like for me? And go, I mean, Leviticus is now a book I cherish and love. It took years. <laughs> I'll be honest, it took years of reading it and rereading it and reading the whole Bible through. But now, whenever I get to Leviticus, I have so many underlines and so many connecting points because I've, I've learned to love this book and how it displays the heart of God and how He wants them to be His people. And there's a lot of good in seeing His, his character, see His holiness, and to see the cost of what it means to follow Him, but also the promise that Jesus fulfills all of this. And that's really where this culminates, right? This is a story that uh, uh, the Old Testament, we can't, we can't live up to. But Jesus does. And Jesus teaches us a ton about the law, right? Um, and, and if you know your, your gospel stories, you know at times we see him uh, seemingly breaking different laws of the covenant uh, of the law. Like the Sabbath, and he's kind of like doing things that they weren't supposed to do. Um, but he's not actually breaking the law. He's, he's actually helping them see the heart of it all and all the things they've added to it. And he wants to, to help them see clearer on it. Because then we also see, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, we see him going further than the law and saying, you heard it said this, I actually say this. And it's not so much about doing as it is, it's all, all the way down to your heart. What happens down here in your heart 
matters. And so Jesus takes this law and he takes it deeper to get at a deeper uh, um, acknowledgement of who, what God is trying to do in us. He wants to transform our heart. And though we couldn't live up to the law, um, Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 17 to 20, that he himself is the fulfillment of the law. He'd come to abolish it and get rid of it, but he came to be the one who could. But we are called to walk in step with him, to live with a great honor and reverence toward his word. And he, and he says, like, no, no letter of this law will be scratched out. We can't uh, just pass it off until everything is fulfilled. But Jesus has fulfilled the law. And as we go into your New Testament, you start to see Paul. And he, he and others are wrestling with the application of the law. We've been working on that in Acts, at, at large group, at XA Hour. It's like seeing how this new church is understanding how do we bring this, this law, this Torah, into our Christian life. That it's not anymore binding on us because Jesus has fulfilled it. And go read Romans again. And you're going to have to read the whole thing because Paul traces his argument. It's, it's like one argument through the whole thing as he's trying to help them see in light of the gospel, this law, is, we don't, it's not binding on us anymore. It's not our law anymore. Because we, Jesus established something new where the law was powerless. This is Romans chapter 8. The law was powerless to change us. Jesus established something new, a new covenant with us, established on grace because he paid the price. He was the one sacrifice for all, Hebrews 10, which means all the sacrificial laws of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Christ. Go read Hebrews 10, and it describes that. Jesus was that one sacrifice. All the kosher laws about what animals, those also have been fulfilled and removed because Acts 10, go read Acts 10 in the visions that uh, the Holy Spirit gives to Peter and how they apply that to their life speaks to Old Testament law. All the tabernacle laws have been fulfilled because now we, we are the temple of God. And he says, go read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Right? So the Old Testament is speaking to this law and helping us understand how it might apply or things we live in now. Go, you, to know how to understand the Old Testament, you have to read the New Testament and see what things are reaffirmed and established and reestablished by the church. Things, what things we need to still live by. We do see all the sexual ethic laws and conduct is upheld in the New Testament. We, have, we don't have a right to just throw those out. <clears throat> Jesus takes those ones specifically deeper in Matthew 5. But also throughout the entire New Testament, those continue to be affirmed and established. We also saw, see like any, any sort of law or command about neighbors and love and forgiveness are also upheld and, and developed and made uh, incredibly beautiful in the New Testament in light of, in light of Jesus. Maybe some of their direct application and how their property stuff, there's some, some things about neighbors and property. and the, like Some of those, like, they're not direct translation, but you can tell the heart is still so good about how we honor one another. And they're upheld in our way of life now. How we view other people is built on Old Testament law. So, really what I'm saying is, if you want to know which ones to follow, you've got to read it. But you also got to read the New Testament. And then you got to go back and read the Old Testament again. And then you got to read the New Testament again. 
and back and forth until it works its way all the way down into your very being. Right? This is really the only way. We can listen to podcasts and get some good perspectives. And I hope you're listening now and like you're learning um, some, some new ways of understanding this. But ultimately, we have to go to his work and see it and see him. And see his character. See the story, the narrative of him doing this work and seeing humanity failing, not living up to the law, and yet seeing God be faithful. And he is the one who is torn in two, as Catherine preached on or, or taught on last week in QTOT. So then, this is, this is what we do. We, how we read our Old Testament, how we read the Torah, means we read it to see the glory and wisdom of God. We read it to see the relationship of God to his people, that we are to trust and listen to him. We read it to see the story of humanity, the story of Israel, and the heritage of Jesus our Savior. We will know the gospel better if we read our Old Testament. And as we read the New Testament, we'll see which laws get picked up and continued as part of the new covenant people of Jesus. So we must read it. We must know this Torah. We must know this teaching. And we'll know better as we've read it and reread it and reread it why this law matters to us. And we'll see the glory of the, of the gospel. We'll see how when Jesus says to obey his voice and we see how Paul says live by grace, live by the spirit. There's no law when you live in the spirit. That's Galatians 5. We'll see it still connecting to the same message of yielding and trusting God at the very center of it. It's the same command to love God throughout all of it as the context changes in light of the cross and in light of our culture. God has chosen to step into history to reveal himself. He did it then, and by his spirit, he's doing it daily. And he wants to speak to all of us through his word. we got to know it. And to, to kind of end here, I want to go back to that Deuteronomy 30 passage. Or it says it's not too difficult for you, right? Because the word is here. It's given to you. He's talking about the Torah. But New Testament authors pick up that same passage, the same idea here. Paul literally quotes from it in Romans chapter 10 about he is right here. He's not far from you. He is right here. Jesus is that one. He is the fulfillment of that very passage. And in John chapter 1, we see that we see Jesus being described as Logos, the Word of God, the teaching, the wisdom of God, that He, Jesus, is the commands of the Old Testament. And knowing Jesus is to know His Word. And we'll know God displayed in the incarnate Jesus, not just on a scroll, not just in a, in a book, in tiny little letters that are archaic and hard to understand. Jesus is the one in whom we know, and it's what the whole Bible is telling us about. Deuteronomy 30 reminds us of that. Though we can do it, she says, we need Jesus. Deuteronomy 31 reminds us of our rebellious heart. We need Jesus, and thankfully he has come. He has come. And so today we have this choice. Just like in Genesis 2 and 3 and in Exodus 19, Deuteronomy 30, Psalm 1, Hebrews 4, to listen and obey the voice of God, Jesus, our advocate, our substitute, our friend, and our Savior, our Lord the living word of God. 
So, what questions do you guys have? So we can boil goats and not that? Yes, you can wow. do that. <laughs> Cheeseburgers. You can have a cheeseburger. That was a big step there. Go listen to the Bible Project <laughs> on that and they make that connection. <laughs> that was a whole lot of stuff and uh, hopefully it was helpful in understanding how to read the law and hopefully inspire you to go and read it as well. with us live for the XA Learning Hour, come to the UWM Student Union, room W145 at 1.30 on Thursdays. Thanks for listening.